HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Fulton Stall Market, reopening their outdoor market in the Seaport District in May 2021. Learn more at fultonstallmarket.org. This week on Meet and 3, we're jumping into a world filled with fizz, iridescence, and deliciousness. We're talking about bubbles. It came from the air gas truck. Yeah, no, I never thought about it before that. And I think it's emerged as a bulbous tea shops, a site of Asian-American youth uh, identity building. We're called the invisible industry because these products you don't really see, but they're around us in every way, um, every day. Listen to Meet and 3 wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Feed Feed Podcast. I'm Alexis Santos, a food editor at the Feed Feed, the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Throughout season four of the Feed Feed Podcast, we will be trying to help you solve the daily question that we are all faced with, which is what's for dinner? Each week, we will be speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community who are a constant source of ideas and inspiration and help us get dinner on the table every night. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Wenjie Ying. Wenjie is the founder and CEO of Local Roots NYC, which is a mission-driven business that connects New Yorkers with local farmers and sustainable regional growers. Ying combines first-generation hustle with female intuition to lead Local Roots and the regenerative agriculture revolution. Wenjie has been internationally recognized for her work in the field of sustainability and agriculture. <laughs> Check her out on social media at Wenjie Ying and Local Roots at Local Roots NYC. Welcome to the Feed Feed Podcast, Wenjie. I am so happy to be chatting with you again. Wow, Alexa, I sound so cool when you introduced me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. I found. I, I looked up your bio. You know, obviously, I know who you are, but it was very well articulated when I googled you. So I'm like, Damn. wow, look at Wenjie, boss lady like, in the I, house. I just need you to like introduce me as a hype woman everywhere I go. I will be your hype woman. I'll be like, boo, 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 boo. Yeah. here's one day. <laughs> Any day. Oh, no, you're awesome. And I'm so excited that I'm back in New York now so I can finally like 
engage with what you're doing at Local Roots. So why don't you give like, before we get into like the interview questions, give a quick little spiel from your perspective of, you know, what Local Roots is all about, obviously something very that you're very passionate about and a leader in the space. So why don't you give us a quick little summary of what it is that you do over at Local Roots? I feel like you did a great job, but I'll just <laughs> I'll just do my my best to follow you. <laughs> yes. Um. So Local Roots NYC, I founded this in 2011, and the idea was to really modernize the CSA model and to make really great, high quality, organic produce more convenient uh, for a New Yorker's lifestyle. And what I mean by that is, at the time, um, you know, CSAs are generally a nine month commitment. And you're usually subscribing only to vegetables. And having that time and that financial commitment in New York City is actually very difficult. A lot of people, you know, they might go away for the summertime or they have school. Like there's, you know, it's also just a lot of money to pay up front. So I wanted to change that. I wanted to make it more approachable. So our subscriptions right now are three month subscriptions. We have everything from organic veggies to pasture-raised meats to like pasture-raised eggs, anything that's local, sustainable, we carry it. And if we don't carry it and it tastes delicious, you should tell us and we will carry it. So we have pickup locations all throughout Brooklyn and Manhattan. That is the reason, um, sorry, the reason for that is that, you know, if you wanted to join a CSA, if you live in Queens and you can't find one in your neighborhood, well, you don't want to have to like, you know, get on the subway and go really far to have to pick up your groceries. We have many locations throughout the city. We also offer home delivery, which people have found super convenient and helpful during the peak of the pandemic. And in addition to multiple pickup locations and delivery and subscriptions to, um, you know, produce and fruit, we also have add-ons. So if you want to get chocolate tahini from a Pennsylvania vendor or you want to get chocolates or... I'm trying to think of what I eat a lot from our add-ons. Even like just whole chickens, um, you can also just add it onto your order. So we're trying to make it kind of a hybrid of a CSA and a farmer's market um, all in one. So that's like in summary of what Local Roots is. And um, we're privately funded, which means like we don't have any investment money behind us. And we're really proud to support a ton of um, minority-owned vendors and a lot of female owners also. So, Wenja, your your mission and everything that you do over at Local Roots is absolutely amazing. But let's take it back to the beginning. Obviously, you've been involved with food and, you know, all things culinary and agriculture for a while. But tell me a little bit about kind of food and your family and what was kind of your childhood, uh, you know, involvement with food. I know you're Chinese. So kind of tell me a little bit about your background in the culinary sense. I'm, I'm actually glad you bring up the word mission. Cause I actually forgot to say that, you know, we're really a lot more than just a small business. We're a lot more than just a food delivery business. We really have a mission of bringing people together to build community in New York city and we really have a mission of helping to support regenerative agriculture so we can keep fostering and nourishing the farmland in the Northeast. So you know, everything we do, the day-to-day of, you know, getting that super sweet bunch of carrots to you, that is really with a higher goal to really heal the food system and make people happy in New York City. Um, so my background um, or my childhood I grew up on Long Island. Uh, My parents came to this country in the 70s to 
really just like build an American dream for themselves. They came to college here um, with nothing and they achieved their American dream. Um, and part of that American dream was really just to make an easier life for their children so that they would have the freedom to do what they love. So I would say that now I'm on my own personal mission to achieve my own American dream. And I haven't really figured out what that is quite yet. I mean, in terms of a career, like I love what I do. I've been doing local roots. I've been, I've had this company for 10 years now and I've every day have really loved every moment of it. Um, and the other part of my American dream, I think is to really just help. This sounds like really high and mighty, but I'm really help, trying to help evolve humankind yes. in terms of, um, you know, there's a lot of like injustice and inequality happening right now that's showing its face um, in our country. And I'm really trying to rally people to kind of just be more responsible citizens of the world and be more responsible and kinder to each other. But in terms of food, um, I've always eaten like kind of a hybrid of what an immigrant might think is American food, you know? So I ate like <laughs> pasta with canned corn. I totally thought that was an American meal. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's. I know. I really, I think I realized it's not like a couple of years ago and I'm 36. Um, but there's what something- was like the sauce with that? Like pasta and canned corn and what sauce? Yeah, like, what was the dish? like a tomato sauce with like ground beef and canned corn. And there's something nostalgic about that metallic flavor of the canned corn. And I'm actually really nice and metallic and beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually heard this from other, from other people. Like my friend who's, um, she's Jamaican and she was like, yo, the other person that I have met that eats canned corn with pasta is also a Chinese person. So somehow oh. this like secret book of like Chinese immigrants has passed down this really weird flavor combination well so be it <laughs> I'm sure yeah. yeah it's nostalgic it was you know it was a vibe so you have like those kind of pseudo-american dishes was there was I know you have kind of picked up on some of the like traditional Chinese you know dishes and flavors from your parents so like what were some of the like I guess Chinese influences in your childhood I guess experience I think um it's funny, like my mom actually never sat down to teach me how to cook. She she never wanted me to like be in the kitchen because I would create a mess. But I really made these things on my own. You know, I kind of did my own research. So I really love some of the dishes that my parents would make because some of the dishes that I've grown up eating, I never realized, but they were passed down from my grandmother who grew up in a small town in China. And it's really homestyle cooking. So you're not going to find these dishes outside of, the town that she grew up in. So that really just makes me really treasure food because it's kind of like this, um, it's like a timestamp or like, it's like putting something in a time capsule in some way. Um, it's like a flavored time capsule, but so- TM. Yeah, exactly. Flavored time capsule. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so some of my favorite dishes that I have learned as an adult to make would be tea eggs, which we um, showed how to do on the feed feed during Chinese yes. New Year. It was so Love much fun. Tea eggs. And um, there's, you know, like Mabo tofu I've been cooking. I learned how to do that at a cooking class in Shanghai recently, actually. 
Um, I've learned how to make hand-pulled noodles. Um, there's a dish called mian, which is kind of like a... If you imagine, it's like a... If you could imagine Chinese spaghetti, it's kind of like that. It has Ooh. noodles, it's ground pork, and um, it's cooked in a soybean paste. It's really yummy. Um, so yeah, I've just been kind of exploring. The, I've been thinking about the dishes that make me miss home and trying to recreate it with either like YouTube videos or referencing um, my mom's recipes also. And I think that the weird, the quote unquote weird combinations that I grew up eating I actually think that's transformed my cooking the most because I was never brought up with like, I think I've, I've just learned my, in my life that I don't really see rules or boundaries in cooking. I don't think, oh, this flavor combination has to go together because this is just the way a dish is. For me, I kind of think what kind of weird flavors are going to make a happy experience in my mouth, which is why I'm always like blending like, you know, uh, spicy with something sweet. I'm always kind of like having contrast in flavors. And I think I can, I think I have that creativity because I ate so many random things growing up. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it was all worth it. That's, <laughs> yeah, it's totally That's, all worth it. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that you're, you know, first generation, but a lot of your, kind of traditional Chinese dishes you've been picking up in your adult life by watching YouTube and whatnot. But I guess as you kind of transitioned into a career in the culinary space was, I guess, at what point did it become important for you to kind of wrap your arms around some of these traditional Chinese recipes that you grew up with? Because I guess you said when you were little, your mom kind of didn't even want you in the kitchen. So Mm -hmm. like, at what point was it for you that you were like, hey, I want to try to make some of this stuff? I think that when I moved to New York and was living here alone, that was really important to me because my whole family had moved from Long Island. My mom, my parents had moved to California. My, one of my brothers moved to, both my brothers were living in China. So it was really just me on this side of the world and cooking Chinese dishes that I grew up loving was really a way for me to feel like I was back home and like a little kid again. So that's definitely where it came from. And That's so cute. yeah, and then as it's it's really adorable. <laughs> and then um, I've been working, I've been trying to encourage some of our farmers to start growing more Asian greens. And as we're doing that, I'm trying to just think about, you know, like how to incorporate, like how to teach other people how to cook these greens that I'm familiar with. And um, we're actually opening up a cafe and marketplace in the end of April, early May. And the whole menu is going to be a farm-to-table Chinese menu of a bunch of dishes that I grew up loving as a kid. So in this yes. whole yeah, so in this whole process, it's been really great for me to really break down the recipes and understand why some ingredients are going in dishes, what what kind of flavors it brings out, because I have to understand how the dishes are made to be selling to someone else. So where is that market going to be? It's going to be in Carroll Gardens on Court Street. Um, right, There's a park nearby. It's Court and Carroll or First Place, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll be there. <laughs> you Great. tell me when. I'm coming. <laughs> that sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah, farm to table Chinese, like, sign me up. So were you, I guess, 
in your training of kind of developing these flavors and like you said, coming up with combinations and stuff, would you call yourself like self-taught or I guess, how would you kind of explain your culinary expertise that just kind of trial by fire? Uh, <laughs> or- yeah. <laughs> I'd say definitely trial by fire. I mean, I am someone who just really wings it in life regardless of what it is. Um, so I am really, I'm truly taught by the seasons because the one rule I live, the one, the one rule I cook by is by the seasons. I only cook with seasonal produce. I'd say 99% of what I cook with is from local roots. It's the same way how we're sourcing at our new cafe. 99% of the greens are going to be from our local farmers. So whatever's in season, I want to figure out something to make with it. I love that. And I feel like it's something whenever you, whenever someone brings it up or I eat at a restaurant that's very farm to table and, you know, emphasis on local produce and ingredients, I always think to myself like, oh, this is so important. I need to be doing this. And then I kind of fall out of it. So I guess, how do you, you know, cause people are kind of, as you know, like as a New Yorker, you know, we, and really everybody has super busy lives and, you know, I don't even go to the grocery store anymore. I pretty much just get it delivered all the time and just kind of fall into the rut of, making what I'm comfortable with and kind of getting into this routine of, yeah, I make, you know, so many things a week. And how do you recommend someone kind of making that shift into kind of focusing more on, you know, local or seasonal, or how do you, how does one make that shift kind of out of their routine, just regular what they're doing, you know, at the grocery store delivery to really having an emphasis on seasonal local ingredients? I, actually find that cooking seasonally is a lot easier because I'm probably like you and most people that cook frequently at home. I cook the same thing almost every day for every meal, but Mm -hmm. it just tastes different because I'm just using whatever ingredients are in season. So if I'm cooking the same thing in April versus July, it's the same method. It's the same you know, um, it's the same dish, but it tastes different because it's different kinds of vegetables in it based on what's in the season. So I actually find that to be super easy. Um, I'll also maybe switch up spices, right? Like, so sometimes I'll kind of combine a bunch of different Asian spices and use sesame oil and soy sauce in a saute, or if I'm going to just, you know, or one day I'll just use a lot of garam masala and cumin and that's going to have a different flavor, so for me, I actually find um, once you have the really good ingredients that are seasonal, it's actually easier to cook. Plus, everyone that has ever had something from a really great farm knows that the, 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 the difference in flavor, I mean, how flavorful something can be, even in its raw, purest ingredient form, straight from a farm, that's going to carry your, it's going to carry through your cooking. You don't have to do, I don't do much work. Literally my cooking takes like, I probably cook most of my food in like five to 10 minutes. What? Yeah. Because like, I'm not, why do I have to, I'm not, well, I don't have to change much with like what mother nature gave me. It tastes so right. good to eat raw. It really, it's, and I'm not even saying that because I'm trying to sell something to anyone. Like when you work with the best ingredients, you just let that, you let those ingredients speak for itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm inspired. Okay. <laughs> and you know what, Alexa? Like, I get legit, I get my deliveries. Well, I get my groceries delivered to me too. I have a local roots employee. I'm part of the um, I'm part of the route. They deliver my food. 
once a week. And it's so it's it is a great experience to get your food delivered. And it's such yep. it's such a prize to open up the box and see all these cute little veggies and fruits in this box. Um, yeah, it's it feels a lot of our customers say it feels like Christmas every time, which I oh. totally agree with. I never got presents during Christmas, but I can imagine this is what the experience feels like. <laughs> okay, well, look at that. Yeah, that sounds way more fun than my like, you know, grocery bags. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it makes total sense. And you know, you see, I feel like the best chefs in the world kind of say what you said in the sense of letting ingredients speak for themselves. And that's, you know, something that just remains true. And the quality really does kind of shine when you are when you are focusing on that. So mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, it's definitely inspiring me kind of talking to you and, you know, hearing about this way of because you're, you know, you're a busy New Yorker who's cooking and enjoying food and life in this way. So I mean, really, anybody can do it. Um, so obviously, now, I don't know how long you I mean, you've had local roots for a decade. What, how has your like cooking style and, you know, perspective on all this evolved over time? Cause I imagine, you know, don't want to assume, but as a kid, I would assume you weren't as focused on sustainability and local agriculture. So I guess what was this like evolution of your, I guess, culinary life to be so, you know, focused on this? It's funny because when people message me about wanting to work at Local Roots and they send me their resume or they talk about their background, I'm like, damn, have you been studying local agriculture since you were a kid? Like some people really have just grown up with this experience. I never had that. All right, I grew up in the decade of like the Wonder Bread and the McDonald's and those things were yep. like super normal. And I'm not hating on it because it's part of my childhood. But obviously now that I know what I know, you're like, oh God, how am I not dead yet? Oh my God, I think about that all the time because I was a 90s baby and, you know, like you mentioned, you know, with the Wonder Bread and the McDonald's, I think back, you know, I grew up in the era of like slime and like purple ketchup and like <laughs> goo candy, like all the, you know, like toaster strudels, kid oh, cuisines, yeah, so like pop tarts with all those like gross flavors. And I think the same thing. I'm like, wow, how am I like <laughs> upright and standing yeah, at this yeah. point? I literally grew up on like high fructose corn syrup and like food coloring. So, like, oh my God, totally. That. And you know what? Like, okay, so I bring that up because I I did not come from a culinary background. I did not come from a, an ex, a, a, I didn't, I wasn't like an NYU food studies kid. I didn't grow up composting. I grew up eating Wonder Bread, going to McDonald's. I grew up, you know, I'm sure just throwing my trash out and not recycling. And I just picked, I just learned so much by experience. Once you start doing a little bit, you just start learning and it becomes part of your habit. I am not, I'm not different than anyone else. And like my life is so busy also, right? Like I'm constantly traveling and I'm constantly having ideas of like different projects to do. I'm constantly hanging out with friends. Like I'm not spending all my time in the kitchen. I'm spending the least amount of the kitchen, but I'm getting the most out of it right? I'm, well, I don't have to go through the whole spiel with you, but I just want to tell people that if I can do it, literally anyone can do it. You just can't like set high expectations that you're going to walk into the kitchen. You're going to cook a three course meal every single night. Like that is not what's happening in my kitchen. I'm cooking super simple meals that is made with love. So it honestly tastes amazing like that. And 
it's saving me time. It's, I don't know, like, I actually, I forgot what the question was, actually. I just started going on this rant, and I just wanted well, to tell it's your, people. Well, you know, it's your culinary evolution. It all, it all wraps up into the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, okay, so, oh, yeah, actually, what I was also going to say is I was a person that in college I would buy, and when I first moved to New York, I would buy the same ingredients at the grocery store. I'd always buy broccoli, bell peppers, and spinach, and that's what I cooked with. And I'd buy the same kind of cuts of meat from that was wrapped in plastic and styrofoam. It was disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I'd stir fry everything. That's what I cooked all the time. And <laughs> I cannot even imagine now that, that that it's so limiting. Like you just think about how small your your food bubble is, right? Like there's so many things I've tried now by eating seasonally. There's so many different flavors I've experienced, and that is it's so it's really really beautiful when you think about it like that, right? It's like, do you want to just be living? with only knowing, by only like knowing one person in the world, or do you want to know a hundred or 200 and hear all their stories? Wow, that's such a beautiful way to put it. So how, I guess, what age or how old were you at? What point in your life was it that you kind of made this shift? Or was it a slow shift? Or was there kind of an aha moment? Or how did that kind of happen for you? I think I was probably about 24. I joined AmeriCorps, and I was helping out at a food justice nonprofit called Just Food, and that was my first introduction to CSAs. I was helping people start CSAs. I was writing up like tips on how to work with local farms. And it was that was my aha moment in New York in my whole life, right? It was like I was introduced to a community. I saw people come together and from all different parts of the city and bond over something they loved. And it felt so wholesome. It was really incredible. And that's the first time I like went to a farm. I was like, oh my God, like I forgot food actually comes from somewhere. And the farmer cooked his lunch on the on, on the farm and it was incredible. And I just slowly from there just started becoming more addicted to the whole experience of farm to table. Wow. And that, look at that. And look how far you've come ever since. Yeah. <laughs> it all happened how it was supposed to. I love that. Yeah. So how do you kind of approach, you know, it, 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 it's probably a simple question for you, but how do you approach what you're making for dinner each night? You know, are you really just kind of inspired by the produce you have on hand? Or do you go into the week thinking like, oh, I'm really in the mood for this? Or how do you kind of approach making these kind of awesome, fresh seasonal meals for yourself? I'm really someone who makes decisions on my intuition. I don't know if it's a Libra thing. A Libra thing. Someone told me recently that a Libra. Libra thing. <laughs> well, someone <laughs> told me recently. He's like, you know, Libras are really indecisive, but then in the end, they always make the right decision if you trust your intuition. Okay. So I actually, when I cook, most of the time, I just close my eyes and I think about, okay, Wenjay, what flavors do you want to have in your mouth? What kinds of textures do you want? And then I cook that based on what I have in my fridge. And it usually ends up being something similar all the time. Like I said, like I usually either saute or roast veggies. I usually do a spice blend of either. I do a lot of like garam masala, curry, and cumin and chili peppers mm. um, as a spice blend. And then I'll cook that with, I'll eat that with grains. Um, and sometimes I'll sprinkle on like, some kind of raw green, like an arugula or some kind of spice blend or microgreens or pea shoots um, for like pop of freshness. And I'll top it with an egg. So, oh, of course. Uh, yeah, of course. 
bring or, it all together. Yeah, or if there's no egg, I'll I'll usually cook like ground meats. I think ground beef and ground pork and ground chicken. It's so easy to cook with. So I can really eat that. I probably eat that like every single meal every day and I just change up the vegetables. I just change up the grain or I just change up the spices. Wow. Well, and it sounds delicious and like it's really, you know, nutritional and filling and satisfying and healthy without feeling healthy. And I think changing even just like the spices of that, like you could really take that so many, so many different directions. So what are some, I guess, besides your, you know, your local roots deliveries, what are some things that you kind of always have on hand in the kitchen? Like what are some staples in Wenjay's kitchen? Yeah. And the staples are really what's going to be a game changer in everyone's cooking. Um, so I always have sesame oil. I always have soy sauce. I always have this thing called yandu, which is like, it's like a gluten-free, um, organic kind of like umami soy sauce replacement. Um, I add it to everything. Um, (laughs) and I always have like some coconut milk and, um, just various spices. So, for example, like that dish I always cook, right? Like if I'm going to cook the same thing one day, if I do the sesame oil and some soy sauce, it's going to have a different flavor than if I do olive oil and the spices I was talking about before. Um, so yeah, like different kinds of like oils like that um, kind of make changing flavors really easily. And yeah. my freezer is full of ramp butter that I froze last year what type of butter ramp butter yeah I like made so is it like a compound butter with ramps yeah I made a bunch of it because we had a shitload of ramps last year because we sell ramps you know when it's ramp season and I bought a bunch (laughs) from local roots and I just made a bunch of ramp butter a bunch of ramp pesto and then I sometimes I forget about what I froze and so I have to eat it all before ramp season comes back which is happening in two weeks so oh I gotta, I gotta eat a lot everybody ramp season don't forget ramp season <laughs> boop, 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 coming up. oh my gosh yeah who would have known not something I ever would have thought about oh my oh. god we've literally had like a ticker at local roots because it's such a people get so excited about ramps and you know we all kind of have you only have one shot with it so we've been talking to our forager like every day for the past month like for getting updates so yeah you can get your ramps at local roots all right, sign me up for the ramp, <laughs> ramp trail. <Yeah. laughs> I don't think I've ever cooked with ramps, but I might have to now. I mean, obviously I've eaten them before, but it's never something I've had in my kitchen, but sign me up. Oh, they're super <laughs> easy to cook with. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of like, like sort of like a leek-ish, right? Yeah, a little yeah. oniony, mm-hmm. yummy. All right, all good, all good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about eating seasonal and it's ramp season, so... You got to do it. Say no more. Say no more. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We are going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Fulton Stall Market. Reopening their outdoor market in the Seaport District in May 2021. Fulton Stall Market is a nonprofit indoor public farmer's market. It offers locally grown and produced healthy and affordable, fresh food to the Seaport and Lower Manhattan community. Fulton Stall Market is a direct sales outlet for over 100 New York region farmers and small batch independent food producers. 
They have been operating as a public market to serve the Seaport community since 2015. While you shop at Fulton Stall Market, you can pick up a few guides from Escape Maker's informational kiosk. Escape Maker connects urbanites with local farm, winery, craft beverage, and culinary getaways within a day's drive or train ride of New York City. Learn about day trips from New York, where you can explore the best agritourism the region has to offer. Learn more at FultonStallMarket.org and EscapeMaker.com. Wenjay, tell me, um, this might be an interesting question for you. Who inspires you, I guess, either from like a culinary standpoint or in life? Like, who are some of your inspirations? Hmm. I have just been traveling again. um, And people that I meet when I travel really, really inspire me. I think they inspire me not only, it reminds me the kind of person I want to be, you know, like you just meet, like for me, I meet super kind and open people when I'm traveling. Mm -hmm. And that inspires me. You also get inspired. Like recently I was in Jamaica and I spent the day with a Rasta he has like a treehouse he built off the grid in the woods in the hills of Jamaica. And um, he made his own little like kitchen outside. And he cooked me this veggie dish from like veggies from his garden that he has. And that was like, I mean, it is, yeah, it inspired me to cook differently because that's how I cook also. I think it was just really cool. I mean, I really enjoy the different flavors that he was using. Like he doesn't, he doesn't use a lot of spices. You know, it's it's actually, it's very, very simple. It's very clean and it's really just showcasing the ingredients. So I really love that people just live like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to like convince them to change your lifestyle habits because this is just the way that their life is. So that's yeah. inspiring. Um and street food really inspires me, like just watching how street food is made and just watching the people cook it, um, all the different flavors and colors, like that's really inspiring to me. I think what Dan Barber is doing, he's always inspiring. Um, Dan Barber. Yeah, of, sure. Yeah. I'm sure most people know who Dan Barber is, but... Um, I guess what, it's hit or miss. <laughs> yeah, so I just figured why not... Blue just, Hill Stone... Bar- wait, Blue... I'm like, why am I forgetting the, the name? Yeah, so he Blue he's a chef Stone at Blue he's Hill. a chef at Blue Hill, which is Blue at Hill. the which is at the farm Stone Barns. It's okay, Blue Hill Stone Barns. Yeah. Yes, I'm like I'm like several nouns. Yeah, yeah, but they're two different <laughs> en- they're two different entities. Just so people yes. know, Stone Barns is the farm educational nonprofit farm, and Blue Hill is a restaurant. And he started a a seed company recently called um, Row Seven Seeds. And I talked to their head, um, I talked to their farmer there, and I've also talked to, like, people on their culinary team. And it's just really cool because he's really changing the ways that we look at, I don't think, I guess most people don't look at seeds, but, like, he's making it a little easier for farmers. So, for example, there's a variety of a vegetable that will change colors when it's ripe. So a farmer knows that this vegetable is ready to harvest. I just think he's he he spends a lot of time thinking about really how to push the envelope in terms of agriculture and how to be more sustainable. And he really pushes people to really think about um, local eating and seasonal eating. 
through fine dining. I think that's really cool. Um, I have a friend, his name is Zach Wolf. He's the head farmer at Al Gore's farm. He does amazing work researching how different kinds of varieties of vegetables um, have a higher impact to sequester carbon from the environment back into the ground. So I really, really yeah, so I talked to him a lot and my friend Tom Newmark from this company, this organization called the Carbon Underground. Those two guys are like my point, people to really constantly learn about how soil and regenerative agriculture can have such a positive impact on the world. And it really makes me, helps me understand that, um, you know, a lot of people think organic farming is you take a seed and you put it in the ground and you just don't put pesticides on it. Yes, that's kind of what it is, but there's so much science behind it. There's there's all these different things that are happening in the soil and happening in the environment to make all of this be beneficial to our bodies and be beneficial to the land. So I love learning about that because to me, it's really important to dig deeper into why eating local is important and to have stronger and stronger reasons to give people because, you know, like there's a lot of competition in the marketplace for organic, right? If now lots of corporations um, are selling organic food. So how are we supposed to know the difference between organic that you find at like, you know, the grocery store through a Foxy brand versus organic at the farmer's market or at local roots? Um, they're always going to end up going to a lower price point unless they can have the right education to make the better decision. So I would say that that's really inspiring to me because it's constantly making me uh, innovate what I do also. Well, look at that. What a what a lineup, an all-star lineup of inspirations and very uh diverse and eclectic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've got the we've got the Jamaican guy that you met. We've got Dan Barber. We've got we've got quite a lineup. That's that's awesome. I, I realize <laughs> that they're all men and I feel a little guilty about that. That's all right. Well, I'm sure there's plenty of women that inspire you on a literal daily basis, including yourself, honestly, and probably your mom and you know. Yeah. I mean a, I th- yeah, I, I would say that the women that inspire me are really the people that I, like you were saying, I know day to day, you know, like, I I think Gail Simmons, she's the judge on Top Chef. Um, I'm friends with her, and she really inspires me the fact that she is so busy, but she still makes so much time for her friends, and she makes so much time for her family, and she has no ego around the work that she does. I just think that it's amazing. I, I love learning through her experiences about how to be this really like strong woman with a strong career, but also makes time for her social life. Yeah, that's, I mean, you gotta, I always feel like something something has to give somewhere, whether it's like work, friends, family, having fun, sleep, exercise, Mm -hmm. you know, fitting all those things in. It's like, if you think about it, you know, it's like a Venn diagram, like, you know, one of those things, like you have to choose some. You can't have them all, but it, it is always, you know, inspirational to me too to see people who can juggle it all. So that's that's a good one. I love that. I've I've honestly like when you're talking about the different things you kind of have to like maybe choose or sacrifice. I've gone through all those phases with being in business for ten years, especially because like I don't have a business partner, we don't have investment money coming in here, so. I've had to make different sacrifices throughout the year, you know, like in the beginning, like I never slept and I didn't really have a social life. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of took a toll on my personal life. And now it's, I'm, a lot of the work I do is I think about 
I can't do any of this work if my life isn't balanced. So I make it a point, no matter what, to have that Venn diagram be like equal parts business, equal parts personal life, equal parts like mental health. And yeah. Yeah. No, it's so important. And especially, you know, in the pandemic type life that we're all living, you know, for those who are, you know, working from home and, you know, work is at home, home, home is at work. It has become even harder to, you know, separate the two things. And I think, you know, you know, you bring up mental health and, you know, that's kind of a passion point of mine. And, you know, that could be a whole other tangent, a whole other, a whole other podcast, but, (laughs) you know, kind of in prioritizing that, no matter, you know, how busy you are, you know, as a, you know, entrepreneur like yourself to, you know, make the time and balance to be able to prioritize those things is very impressive. So, well, Amazing. It's every, every day it's a challenge, but <laughs> yes. my, my, one time my, my, my mom, my dad was like, it doesn't, does it ever end? You know, like you can constantly be working towards something. And I, it was really eye opening when he said that, especially from my dad, who is like this super hardworking immigrant. And I see some of my friends who own businesses that are bigger than mine are more successful and they're still constantly hustling and it doesn't matter how much you've achieved because it's the mindset, right? If you feel like you're never doing enough and that's all that your attention is focused on, you're never going to really be happy with what you're doing. At some point, you have to just say, like, no, I'm good. You know, like, I put my hours in today at work. To, there's always more I can do. Or I can spend this time going to the park and looking at nature and fulfilling myself in another way. It's it's definitely really hard to do in New York, but um, yeah, I, I really advocate for people to think about how to balance their life more. Perfect. Well, I guess you were the perfect person to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I have probably one of the harder questions for you. It's a little game. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you know and love it. It's F, Mary kill. Oh, God. <laughs> and I have curated three options for you that are going to be hard for you to choose from so we've got f mary kill garlic spinach and eggs wait so if i kill something i it means i just can never eat it again or like i'm killing it so i can cook it no you're killing it like it's gone one of those things you're effing (laughs) so it's you know well okay i know exactly i would kill garlic i almost never cook with garlic i just Really? I just cannot. I'm like, oh, I don't want to peel this thing. I don't want to cut it up. It is up. very annoying. Oh but God. the flavor aspect of it is okay, really unmatched. See, I also grew up, my mom never cooked with garlic. And my brother lives in a Buddhist community. And a lot of Buddhists believe, a lot of Buddhists just don't cook with garlic because it actually hurts their stomach. So my mom and my really? dad and my brother actually all say they have an intolerance to garlic, which is insane. But it's a lot of people, what? I've heard people with that problem, Yeah. Okay. So I'm definitely, well, that was an easy definitely one. killing the garlic. Mary eggs. I put eggs in everything. Um, what was the last option? Spinach. Oh, I don't want to fuck spinach though. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, yeah, okay. real saucy with spinach. Okay, <laughs> I feel like, oh man. You know what? Maybe I would fuck spinach because it's a one-night stand. And then move on. You know what I mean? You move on, but you want to marry the eggs because it's also seductive, but it tastes good and it's reliable. You can put it with everything. It's like always there for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Interesting. Interesting. That is not what I... Well, I did not expect that on the garlic. I guess I... You didn't mention garlic earlier, but I just figured as someone who's kind of like cooking fresh stuff at home all the time, it's actually... I convinced my whole family um, to go from... You know how they have like the pre... The jarred minced garlic from the grocery Mm. store. My family, my mom always used that. You know, she's a mom of three, so was cooking dinner, you know, three different dinners a night, like one when I got home, one when my sister, you know, so she was doing things, you know, pretty quick. Um, And then when I started picking up my own, you know, culinary chops, I was like, what are you doing with that pre-minced, like, canned garlic? That's so gross. You need to do fresh garlic. So it's one of my, like, you know, produce staples in the house. But that is so interesting to know. I had no idea about, like, the the Buddhist garlic intolerance. That is such a... It's really funny because I, I don't I don't like most things pre-chopped, but there's two things I really enjoy pre-chopped for me. If I'm using garlic, it's gonna be garlic. And then pineapples, I really enjoy a pre-sliced Ooh. pineapple. I cannot deal, I just don't in Jamaica, these guys can like cut this shit like magic. It's insane. Yeah, they probably use like a big like axe mm-hmm. thing and probably just like yeah, like a it, coconut. Exactly. It looks like a machete. And they just, yeah, they sli- slice it around. It looks cool. For me, it's like, oh, you gotta like... Oh, yeah, know, that's a pain. Like, struggle with it. And then you're cutting either too close or too not close enough to the skin. And so, oh, God. Okay. Yeah, no, I can I can get behind that on the pineapple for sure. Any like <laughs> big, like... And any big like root vegetable, like a, a rutabaga or something like mm-hmm. that is so hard for me to cut. That's so you funny. need so much like elbow grease which i do not have unfortunately the, i'm not jacked so. <laughs> but wait but you but you know the best way to cut big root veggies right like you have to just cut one side so it's flat and then yeah yeah oh, yeah even still it's yeah yeah, yeah. it's no, a chore it, it is like a really good arm workout yeah so i mean we got to do what we got to do get a pseudo pump in while you're doing your veggie prep <laughs> it's it's important yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, Wenjay, that wraps up all my questions for you. Was there anything else burning important that I did not mention about your culinary journey through life here? Alexa, I wanted to add one more thing. Please do. (laughs) I'm a woman that really loves to make my life streamlined. You know, so like if I'm traveling for, if I'm packing for vacation, everything I pack should have multiple functions. And when you talk about, like, how do you transition your life to cooking more seasonally, the reason why I don't think it's hard is because when I cook seasonally with produce from a farm that I really trust that's doing, that's farming responsibly, it's it's really just, like, in one quick fix, addressing all the values I care about in life. Um, so it's, like, when you're cooking with this with these ingredients – it's more nutrients per bite. So you're actually getting um, more nutrients from fresh produce. And it, yeah, because I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. You think about like vegetables, for example, are a living, it's like a plant, right? You take the plant out of its living source, which is the soil. It just starts dying, right? So as it's dying, it's, it's depleting its nutrients. So you'll actually get it's, And it's also scientifically proven conventional agriculture is so depleted of nutrients in the soil that for example, it's a 27% decrease um, in vitamin C 
in the, they did a study over 20 years, and there was a 27% decrease in vitamin C in vegetables because of conventional agriculture. So there are yeah. studies that show that you actually get more nutrients per bite if you're eating fresh produce grown with regenerative agriculture. So one, you're getting better nutrition, okay? Which also means that you're going to feel full um, with eating less food. So I don't mm-hmm. like to work out, but this feels like, <laughs> hey, this is a great thing. Like, I'm not going to go on a diet, <laughs> but this helps me out. And then I would also say I love to support small businesses. This is a super easy way to be supporting small businesses and preserving farmland. Like I love, I love nature, but I live in New York City, right? So by supporting local farms, it also means that this farmland is going to stay farming and it's not going to become a residential development, for example. And I really love to live sustainably. So instead of me being a farmer and moving away from the city, I'm going to just be cooking sustainably by not wasting any of the parts of the vegetables. I know that I am supporting farms that are traveling with less gas miles. Um, we obviously know so many of the reasons why it's more sustainable. So that addresses that value system. So these are just some examples. And I also love really delicious food, right? So like, like I said before, there's more flavor in each um, in fresh produce. So, it's for me easy cooking. Um, things are more delicious. So I'm really just like, I'm actually kind of lazy, you know? And this to me, eating seasonally is like a lazy way to live my life in all the ways that I feel like um, are important. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're killing like 10 birds with one stone. Exactly. And wow. Well, then when you put it that way, my goodness. And I, and, <laughs> and I cook almost everything in one in one pot if I can, like except for greens. If I'm like eating grains, I cook everything in one pot so I can do minimal dishes. Well, look at that. You really, you're doing it all by doing the least. (laughs) That's that's hashtag my motto right there. Literally. (laughs) Oh my God. I love that. Well, thank you, Wenjay, so, so, so much for joining me today. It's been a truly enlightening and scintillating conversation as always. And I'm like super inspired to kind of, now that I'm back in New York, kind of like redirect my efforts and you know it's about to be summer so we're gonna have like gorgeous produce to choose from and you know I think that there are some easy ways to kind of make those changes so I appreciate you enlightening me. Alexa I always have a ton of fun talking to you. Yes. (laughs) So thank you you for having me on the Feed Feed podcast and shout out to the Feed Feed you guys always have such beautiful content. Thank you so much for listening to learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is the Feed Feed head to thefeedfeed.com be sure to follow us on Instagram at the feed feed and don't forget to follow Wenjay at Wenjay Ying, all one word, and local roots at local roots NYC, also one word on Instagram. If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur who has helped you solve the what's for dinner question, we'd love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The feed feed is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradio.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, 
fairer and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from our listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.